Amen. Welcome to the Hope live stream, and it's good to have you with us, at least this way. Uh, several things going on around here that uh, you should know about. Uh, first of all, several uh, Zoom meetings on our agenda. Um, and let's see, we have the Sunday morning live stream. We have the Tuesday mornings for homeschool moms, just support and ideas and encouragement there. We have the Tuesday evening Christianity Explored small group that meets at 7 p.m. every Tuesday that fo is following along with the sermon series. Then we have our family dynamics group on Wednesday night at 7. Uh, for those of you who uh, might be under a little stress right now at home, uh, that's intended to help. We are dealing right now with the five languages of apology and some constructive conflict resolution ideas and just talking through uh, our own hearts and lives there. Uh, we have a Thursday night Zoom for college students, which uh, may or may not be on hold for finals. Uh, Y'all figure that out. You're all smart. You're all adults. Um, and then coming up on Sunday, May the 10th, uh, we are going to have a congregational meeting to elect officers. We have uh, several officers that uh, are on for, up for re-election, and so we'll have those on the ballot for you then. We will do that by Zoom, which uh, leads me to just a, a quick explanation. M many of you probably saw our email uh, earlier this week, this past week, um, just sort of laying out our reopening plan, if you can call it that. I'm, I want to be cautious in how we approach this, and I don't want to rush things and uh, facilitate people getting sick. So we're just going to take the month of May and continue to Zoom, and we're going to just observe the situation and see how things are developing in the greater Bear County area as a whole. And then we will make some decisions when June comes closer as to how to get a few people in here every Sunday morning. And we'll probably um, phase in attendance over time and keep the crowd relatively small. But uh, we want to try to be responsible and also facilitate uh, you getting back to hope. So um, that's kind of our, our what, what our current discussions are centered around is how to do this in a way that is productive or, or constructive towards the re-engagement of God's people here and at the same time responsible, especially to those of you who are in higher risk categories for infection. So uh, that is it. What am I forgetting? We have a food drive for Blueprint. I need some drivers, uh, anybody that might be available some afternoon this week to grab a bag of groceries or a box of groceries from here at the church building and take them down to the near downtown area, kind of south and west of downtown or where most of these houses are, uh, and just drop them off on a porch. And so if you're available to do that sometime this week, uh, we, would, we could use the help. We've got about 10 families that we're trying to get supplies to. Uh, we probably have enough to get, uh, you know, four, four families or so this week covered, and then we'll, we'll roll that forward and do some more the following week, and then after that and just see how we can be a blessing to some of these blueprint families 
These are the families that our youth have been working with for the past four or five summers, uh, fixing up their homes, repairing, you know, replacing their roof, doing work inside and outside the house. So we know a lot of these homeowners, all but two of those 10, we've worked on their houses. Um, so uh, just a great opportunity to serve those in our community and that could use some help. So if you're available, let us know, let me know, and uh, we will go from there. Um, why don't we have all the important people talk here for a minute. So in the Gospel of Mark, there's a situation where a crippled person, a person who cannot walk, is taken to Jesus, and Jesus heals that person, and at the same time, Jesus forgives that person of their sins, which is a rather strange thing to say when a person is brought to you for healing, and um, what does the sign say? Oh, got you. Um, so, where was I? Jesus healed a paralytic and forgave him of his sins. And so it was sort of a, a great craft this week, a great craft idea that we could take our broken crayons, which represent kind of our broken lives, our broken hearts, and we can give those to God and he changes them into something beautiful. Uh, do any of you have any of those to show? Uh, maybe the Townsends can show the beautiful butterfly that they melted their crayons, their broken crayons into a butterfly and uh, did it that way. Uh, are we seeing any of those, Scott? Okay, that's all right. So I did one. I did one. I took, um, there it is. See how beautiful that is? Thank you, Tatum. Yeah, see, we are a new creation in Jesus. Those are made from broken crayons, and it was just a great metaphor. So Tatum, check this out. Here's mine. I made one. Can you see this? Can you see this? It, this, it, it looks like something that came out of the backside of a really sick unicorn. Um, sort of a distasteful hockey puck kind of thing. Um, oh, there's a good one. That's pretty. Good job, Ethan. I like that. Yep, you did better than I did. So, um, but I just thought that was a great uh, symbol of the way that the, that the love of Jesus transforms our broken lives, our brokenness and our sin, and renews us and, and turns us into something uh, beautiful in spite of the way we came to Christ. And so I thought that was a great lesson for the week. And at this time, we're going to turn our hearts towards uh, part four in our sermon series, Jesus' Power Over Sin. Uh, and we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark in chapter two. Now, there is a reading plan for reading through the Gospel of Mark that we have uh, sent out by email. And you're encouraged to uh, take part in that and just start reading. If you haven't started already, just start reading through the Gospel of Mark. I think we're on like chapter 10 this week or somewhere in that ballpark. And uh, the, the messages are going to jump around from different places in the Gospel of Mark because the Christianity Explored material that we're developing on Tuesday nights uh, is pulling different themes out different weeks. And so 
Uh, we're not going in sequence through the book, but we're just going to select passages each week for Sunday's dis- sermon that will highlight some of the themes that are being brought out in the Christianity Explored materials. So this week, we come to the second chapter of Mark, verses 1 through 12, where Jesus heals the paralytic. And before we begin, let me open us with a word of prayer. God, our loving Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for all that you minister to our hearts through your word. And we open our hearts to you as we open your word today. And we just pray that you would speak to us through your word and minister your grace, your love, your truth to our hearts that we might grow closer to you as a result of meeting you here through your word today. Lord, as we uh, prepare to engage you through your word, we give you uh, our sins, and we thank you for the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. We also lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick, who are recovering from COVID-19 and other ailments and fa- or facing uncertain diagnoses. And we just pray your healing mercies over your people. Lord, we lift up our country in the midst of this global pandemic. We pray for unity. We pray for peace. We pray for our leaders at every level of government elected and appointed to have wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. And Lord, we pray for your church here at Hope and around the world that in these times we would be a source of your light and your love to those around us, that you would use us to minister to the hearts around us each and every day. We lift up our sister church in Kamahuani, Cuba, and we pray that you would just give them a sense of your peace as well and help them to find creative ways to stay connected as they are not allowed to worship, and we just help us to remember to pray for them each day at 3 p.m., that we might be connected and united with them in prayer uh, while we are separated from them, and they are separated from each other as they are in times of home isolation as well. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would use us, your people, to shine your light. Be with us now as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes who were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your mat, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. It is always tricky to read about and reflect upon the miracles of Jesus. One of the inclinations upon reading a story like this is to think, well, God wants all people to be healed. He wants all people to be able to walk, to see, to hear, to have health and wellness. And yet we know that not all people have these things. And so we wonder, what's wrong with us? What did I do? What did he or she do to deserve this? And our minds are created to think in these terms, to look for causes, to look for results, to look for that cause and effect relationship in the world, to analyze, to try to get to the root of a problem. What is interesting in this miracle and every miracle that Jesus performs in the New Testament is it's all those miracles are always attached to the establishment of his word in the hearts of his people, to the establishment of who Jesus is, what authority he has, and what his bigger purpose is, the purpose beyond the miracle. And that's what I want us to turn our hearts toward this morning. What lies beyond this miracle? It's, it's a, a miracle is in and of itself something to marvel at. And yet the real marvel in this account is not the miracle itself, but the coming of the one who is capable of performing this miracle. The marvel is at his message, his being, his purpose, his mission. And so I want us to sort of take a look at this passage in the following ways as we look at the ways in which this series of verses establishes Jesus' power over sin it is at the same time a call for us to have faith in his power to forgive. You see at the beginning of this story the 
crowds gathering around Jesus as word has spread of what he is capable of. And the four men who bring the paralytic are there because they've heard. They've heard that there's one in Galilee who has this power to heal. Maybe they've seen his, the fruit, the results of his work already. Maybe they've just heard about it, but they believe. They make a decision in their hearts that they are going to put their faith in this healer. And so they come. And they come to him with a confidence that is hard to deny. They pick up their friend, they carry him across town, and they get to this place, and there's no way in. But what is Jesus doing in this house? He's teaching. Verse 2, he was preaching the word to them, it says. So, These four men grab their friend and carry him to the place where they know Jesus is. This in and of itself is an act of faith. But what they find is not someone who's present and available to heal, but someone who is preaching the word of God. We are to come to Jesus with confidence and we are to listen to his word. His mission is, in effect, is to deliver the word of God to his people. The vehicle through which Jesus is establishing his authority to speak the word of God is this miracle and other miracles that he performs. But the message is the point. The word is what we are to heed. We're to listen to God's word and we're to believe that he will respond to us. The Bible tells us that God is love. And when we come in faith to a loving God, we are to have confidence that he will respond to our need. The problem, of course, is that God may not respond to our need in the timing that we think he should, or even in the way that we think he should. But we must have the confidence to believe that the God of love will respond to our need. We're to come to him in confidence and we are to be persistent in coming to him. This group carrying their friend comes to the house and there's no way in. There's a crowd inside, there's a crowd outside. All, there's people you know, pouring, leaning into the windows, cramming into the doorway, gathered outside, straining to hear, and they realize they're not going to get in. They're not gonna, their friend is not going to get to see the healer. And so they persist, and they remove the roof or part of the roof to get down into where Jesus is. Now, most homes in the first century had flat roofs with enough structure that you could uh, stand on the roof or sit on the roof in the evening 
and let the heat that's, in, that's built up inside the house during the day dissipate downstairs while you enjoy the breeze in the evening. And so most homes had access to the, from the roof to the house, but they would also have ways of sealing this off and, and sort of securing the space, if you will. And it's unclear whether these men came through the hatch or if they peeled back some other portion of the roof. But the structure of a first century home would have allowed fairly easily for someone to just pick away at what was laying there and get underneath the, the plywood, if you will, and get lower their friend down into the house. But here's what I want you to take away from this. Don't let anyone come between you and your loving God. I often hear people say to me things like, I can't get over what happened to me when I was younger. And I've just always, it's, it's always gotten in the way of my relationship with God. I can't get over what is happening in certain churches around the world where abuse against children is taking place. And I just can't get past that. I can't get past what someone else has done to me, to others, and progress in my faith. And I'll say this as clearly as I can. Do not let someone else's sin impede your relationship with God. You are giving to that person a power they do not deserve. Set that aside and Go through the roof if you have to. Get to your Savior. And don't let anyone stand in your way. His love, his grace is for you. And don't let someone else take that from you. Be persistent. Don't let anyone come between you and God. And learn to trust in his desire to restore you to take those broken pieces and make something new out of them, to renew you, to reform you in his image. He is the God who restores, who takes the broken and loves them to wholeness. And so that is the God that these four men put their faith in to persist through the crowd around the people who were in their way and get to their loving Savior. And when they did, we learn not just to have faith in God's power to forgive, but that we can find grace in God's power to forgive. So, Jesus, presented with someone who needs healing, says something very unusual. He says, your sins, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you went to the doctor and the doctor examined you 
and sat you down in the exam room, looked you in the eye, and said, your sins are forgiven. You would probably think that doctor is nuts. Everyone who heard Jesus say that was taken aback. The the paralytic was taken aback. The four men who lowered him down were taken aback. The crowd was taken aback. And there was a class of people among that crowd who were called the scribes. These were religious scholars. And they rightfully respond in their hearts to what Jesus has said. We can be honest about who we are and what we think. We can acknowledge that our hearts are not always inclined toward faith and love and belief. In much the same way that these scribes' hearts were inclined against what Jesus had said, it is a reminder to us that we are to open our hearts to him. He is the God who knows our hearts. Yes, we all have our doubts. That is common to all of us. And we all, most of us, have really good reasons for our doubts. We've learned not to trust. We've learned not to believe. And yet, God calls us to open our hearts to him to get past our doubts, to realize that he already knows what's there, what is in our hearts. This is just one of several pieces of evidence that Mark is laying out in his gospel as to the who of Jesus. He has the power to calm the storm. He has the power to heal the sick. He has the power to cast out demons. He has the power to read a person's heart. He is God. He already knows what we're thinking. He already knows what we're feeling. He already knows what we're going through. Our call is to open our hearts to him, to begin to trust, to learn to trust more. And so... Finding grace in his power to forgive begins with opening our hearts to God. And it includes releasing our sin to him. The scribes who responded, who reacted to Jesus saying his sins were forgiven, they were correct. Only God can forgive sins. They actually nailed it. Jesus is claiming by doing this to be God. And in so doing, he calls us to release our sins to him. To enter into, to come into his atonement. It is no small irony that the person who says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, will himself go to the cross to atone for that man's sins. 
Jesus can say that not only because he's God, but because he's the Messiah, the Redeemer of that man's soul, who will pay the price to ensure those sins are taken away. We are to come to him in this same sense and release our sin to him to enter, come into his atonement and to come under his authority. Jesus makes it abundantly clear in his response to the scribes why he has done this, why he has said what he said. In fact, at this point, the four men who carried that mat must be realizing they were set up. This wasn't about healing a paralytic. I mean, that happened. But Jesus is making a far greater point that he is God, he is the Redeemer, he is the one who will offer himself for the forgiveness of our sins. He is the one who has authority to forgive because he has the will to go to the cross to guarantee it. And so we are to come into and under his authority. We find grace in his power to forgive. And we find that we are called to enjoy the results of his power to forgive. Verse 12 is, is it seems like uh, it's sort of the, you know, past the ending. And, and it's not really pertinent to the rest of the story, but it is packed with importance. And I want us to look at that verse quickly. Um, I want to read it to you again. Mark chapter 2, verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So, the first thing that this man had to do was accept the fact that he had been changed. That his life, as he had known it, has forever changed. Not just physically, but spiritually. Something happened in that house that allowed him to stand up and leave both physically and spiritually. We have to accept that we have changed, that God has the power, the authority, the will, the love to redeem us and change us and create in us something new. We are called in accepting that change to step into our newfound freedom. This man, what choice did he have? When Jesus said, get up, take your bed, and go home. I don't think he really had much of a choice. He had to accept the fact that he had changed. And he got up. He obeyed. He followed 
the word of Christ. We are to step into our newfound freedom, and we are to move toward a new obedience. So prior to this interaction that this paralytic man had with Jesus, he probably would have thought, like most first century Jewish people of the time, that his relationship with God was based upon his obedience. And he probably felt like he wasn't very obedient or he wouldn't be in the situation he was in. And Jesus radically changes his identity, both physically and spiritually. He speaks over this man and gives him a newfound freedom and calls him into a new obedience, an obedience out of gratitude, not an obedience of obligation. This man is going to do what Jesus asked him to do because he's in love. He's in awe. He's blessed. He's forgiven. And so Jesus radically changes our relationship to obedience by forgiving us on the cross. We don't have to do anything to be forgiven. We now have obedience in front of us as a choice. And so we accept that we are changed and we are to never stop being astonished. I hope I never stop being astonished that I'm in God's family. I don't deserve to be here. I cannot express to you how sinful I am. And the longer I journey with Christ in this world, the more deeply I realize my sin my selfishness. And I don't deserve his grace. That's the point. Grace is not something we have earned or deserve. It is a gift that has been bestowed upon us out of love, unconditional love. And I am to stand in awe of his grace now and forever, to never lose that sense of wonder how in the world could a holy and perfect, excuse me, perfect God choose to include me in his family? We're to never stop being astonished, to stand in awe of his grace, and to give him the credit he is due. What gives God glory? Ironically, everything gives God glory. Um, his grace, his forgiveness, even strangely, our sin brings God glory. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Romans, Paul talks about this, and, and he even goes so far to, as to say, well, should we sin more so that God's glory may abound? No, 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 oy vey, may it never be. But 
our sin brings God glory in one of two ways. It either proves his forgiveness and grace and our with our inclusion into his family by the blood of Christ or it demonstrates his justice against sin in the condemnation of our sin. We have a Savior who has completely changed our relationship to God, who has totally rewritten the script of our heart, that we are not helpless and hopeless, but rather we are loved, we are redeemed, we are renewed, we are made into a beautiful creation according to his will. We can look up, we can have hope. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we marvel at your word and at your grace and at the ways in which the two are so intertwined. As you work over and over again to drill down into the core of our being, to find us, to renew us, to redeem us, to forgive us. Lord, we so need to hear those words. My child, your sins are forgiven. Remind us of that truth each and every day. Renew us in the strength of that truth each and every day. Lift our heads to the heights of heaven that we might live with hope. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might enjoy a new obedience out of gratitude for your grace. It is in your Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. I see shattered, you see whole, I see broken, but you see beautiful, and you're helping me. Again, 
my heart's beating, beating inside my skin. Oh, I'm coming alive with joy and destiny. Cause you're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Washed in the blood of your sacrifice, your blood flowed red and made me white. My dirty rags are purified, I am clean. Too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy. I am clean. Good morning. Um, my name is Carl Trim. I'm an elder here at Hope Church. And this is our time of offertory. Um, and I know you heard before we don't pass the plate here. But um, financial giving is biblical. And it's an also a personal thing between you and God. So uh, we do still have a building here, and we do still need to turn the lights on and use this building. So it is important that we do our financial share and, and giving to the church. Um, but it's also a time where we reflect on the word given today by God. And that song, you guys, was perfect. Um, because in our trying these trying times today, Satan will do everything he can to make us feel doubt about who we are, instill self-doubt, making us feel that, well, we're not worthy, but he will use that in every way possible. So it's important, as Tom said before, have a personal relationship with God. It's not only important to us, but it's important for him 
He wants us to He wants us to talk to him, have a relationship with him. And doing that allows us to get rid of that self-doubt. Tell Satan that because of the blood of Christ, we're not too dirty. We can be clean because he died on the cross for us. So as you go through your daily, daily walk today in these trying times, and you're feeling that, you know what, it's just too hard. It's too difficult. I can't do this. Reflect on what God did for us. Reflect on our relationship we have with him. And yeah, we can do this. We can get through this difficult time together with him. So as the music plays, think about what's been troubling you and think about what self-doubt you've had lately and just know that we can overcome with him. All things are possible through him. Heavenly Father, sometimes it can be very difficult to get out of bed in the morning and know that we have to go through a difficult day. Father, I just pray that you allow the Holy Spirit that lives within us, Father, just to lift us up and let us know that you've got our back, that you love us, and that there is nothing Satan can do that can overcome that because you've already won the battle. We are victorious in your blood. And Father, I just pray that that you just pave that path for us every day. We love you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd like to invite you at this time to go ahead and stand with us or keep, stay seated, whatever you guys want to do at home. Uh, But we definitely want to invite you to join with us as we close today's worship in this one last song. But if you do stand and move around a bit, there's a good chance our masters in the back might highlight your face. So let's see you. Yes. Smile big. Sing. We enjoy seeing our family. Lots of teeth. Here we go. One, two, three, four. the love by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, changes a slave into a child, and duty into choice. No strength of nature can suffice, to serve the Lord aright, and what she has she misapplies. For want of clearer light. To see the love by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, changes a slave into a child, and duty into choice. How long beneath the law I lay, in bondage and distress, I toiled the precept to obey, but toiled without success. To see the law by Christ fulfilled, 
to hear his pardoning voice. Changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. Then to abstain from outward sin was more than I could do. Now if I feel its power within, I feel I hate it too. To see the law by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, changes a slave into a child, and duty into choice. Then all my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise, a freely chosen in the Son. I freely choose his ways. To see the law by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice, changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. To see the law by Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. my unicorn duty <laughs> into something better my unicorn needs to see the vet my inner unicorn needs the vet maybe yours does too and to that end oh i did it again he'll be here all night folks yes two shows nightly don't forget to tip the wait staff um god wants you to take his blessing with you from this time that he might, through blessing you, reshape you, reorient you, shine his light upon you and set his hope before you. Will you open your hearts and receive the blessing of our Lord today? Take it with you into the week ahead. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Did I just mess that up again? You got it. No, you're good. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.